So tonight I want to focus mostly on the um, formal mudita practice, giving, talking about the instructions, uh, hearing from each other, sharing with each other sort of what arises for us when we do the practice. Some of you have been doing this practice over many, many years. Some of you are brand new. What gets in the way? But let me just say a few things first about the practice and review the the instructions a little bit more. One of the things with all of the four Brahma-Viharas of loving-kindness and compassion, appreciative joy, equanimity, is that uh, we can get we can be idealistic about it. So if we are cultivating compassion or we're cultivating loving kindness or appreciative joy, equanimity, it's like we have this idealistic notion of what pure, beautiful, fully developed equanimity would be or appreciative joy would be. And then we use that ideal in a way to beat ourselves up because my appreciative joy hasn't flowered as I imagine it can flower. And the important thing is just to find a way to get started. So when you take these teachings home or begin to study and practice this at home, don't worry about how it is. It's just like going through the motions, being interested in connecting with what's beautiful, what's the success or the happiness you see around you. I mean, just that exercise alone. Don't worry if it just feels a little mundane. Because so much of what we have to overcome is the inertia that there isn't anything special going on. I mean, we should be able to, like most of us could look around this room and we could see, you know, hundreds of things to be critical of. Why is he wearing that sweatshirt, you know? Doesn't he or she own a comb or... You know, who let that person in? And on and on. But we, we'd have, I think, a much harder time seeing hundreds and hundreds of beautiful things. Just appreciating, you know, oh, it's amazing that he's here. How great that he was able to come. So this is a, a rewiring of our mind with appreciative joy to respect and and recognize simple, beautiful, ordinarily beautiful things, good things. (coughs) Even things that wouldn't make us happy, but if the other person we're observing is actually happy, feeling some release. And it might be good, I thought it'd be good to take a few minutes and just reflect, what do we mean by success or happiness? It's like a lot of the time in life, the mind is tight or the heart is tight. But then when we get what we want, even on a really mundane level, you know, we get the paycheck at the end of the week or we get off at 4.30 in the afternoon, you know. Temporarily, that tension in the mind or heart, it releases. Oh, I'm done. So what we're really tuning into is the heart's release, however mundane or ordinary that might be. (coughs) Just recognizing that 
even in a very simple way, the heart's release is something that can be appreciated. Just like we appreciate it, something irritating is happening and then it stops and there's a release. Oh, glad that's done with. Or we're hungry and then our food arrives and there's a release. The heart's released. So we're, we're learning to energetically have radar for the heart's released. Heart's release. No matter how ordinary it is. And it's like a sympathetic vibration. Like our heart recognizes the release of that heart and we like together vibrate in that release for a moment. <coughs> Your release causes my heart to be released. It could cause me to be envious. That's not a release, right? Like, why is that happening to that person and not me? But we can also appreciate it. One thing that came to mind tonight, um, my niece from Iceland is in town and she's just at this incredibly sort of fun age. I think she's 10 now. And uh, I don't see her very often because she lives in Iceland. My sister's visiting. And, uh, and it's just so fun to see her because it's been several years, you know, changed so much. And she's so much al- alive and she's so much who she is. And, and uh, it's just uh, like tripping over joy to just observe her and to play with her a little bit. And it's very easy to, you know, when kids are healthy, they tend to, uh, their heart tends not to be so tight as often as us adults. So we can see how little things, like I saw her this afternoon, they came to pick up my car and she's just bought a new watch today and it, it's got a band that you kind of, it's stiff and then it, you flick it and it wraps around like a handcuff. I don't know if you've seen, I, it's the first time I've seen something like this. Probably some parents have seen these toys or these objects. But, you know, she was just having so much fun with it and so much fun showing me it. And these little things like that, we can appreciate. It's like we know ultimately having that watch may not be a big deal in her life, but in this moment, it's a cause for release. It's a cause for happiness. And that can make this heart happy. Like Kamala Masters talks about it as a a double joy, but maybe even a triple joy, like the person we're thinking about seeing, they're happy, then we're happy because they're happy, but we can even be happy because we're able to be happy because of their happiness, right? Like just knowing that we have mudita, this appreciation, is also a kind of happiness. Like, wow, it's amazing that my heart can be happy because of his or her happiness, and that's a happy t- happiness too. And this, for those of you who haven't been in the earlier two classes where we talked about loving kindness and compassion, two of the other four beautiful emotions the Buddha talked about, loving kindness, compassion, appreciative joy, equanimity, they're all called immeasurables or unbounded emotions, unbounded states of mind. And this is how we see this with appreciative joy how like, where does joy run out? Like sometimes somebody might come to mind like the Dalai Lama, you know, you're doing appreciative joy as a formal practice. And then you remember seeing a video of the Dalai Lama or whatever, hearing a story about the Dalai Lama as being a happy person. 
And you start, you know, doing your appreciative joy. And then the thought, well, he doesn't need my appreciative joy. But the fact is, if somebody's happy and then you're appreciating their happiness, wouldn't that make them happier? Like, when do you run out like you can't get any happier? It's not joy or happiness doesn't work that way. It doesn't like have an upper limit. You know, okay, you just can't be happier. We think that it, we think about it that way because I think we often mistakenly see uh, excitement as synonymous with happiness or exuberance as synonymous with happiness. But actually, when we look, excitement and exuberance is often tight. The mind is tight. This is so amazing, you know. But actually, if we weren't so entranced with the particular idea and we actually noticed how it was for us, we'd see that the mind and body is really tight. But joy, real joy, like I said, it's the release. It's the natural movement of life energy as opposed to life energy being fixed. And so that movement, it's like when things are moving, there's, real, there's really no upper limit to how much can move. Everything can move. The movement can always get bigger and bigger. Or another way of saying that is the movement can become more and more complete until everything is alive with movement, with release, with the freedom of constriction or the freedom of anything fixed. And so this is the, this is really the art of this practice is not to allow, not to be fooled by any thought that is limiting joy, that somehow is putting a break on appreciation, on seeing what's good, and just appreciating life. Because actually there's so much to appreciate. I mean, like, I mean, this is not a small thing for me. This shirt, there's this company that a Common Ground member a long time ago, probably 15 years ago, turned me on to. And they're really expensive. They're, they make kind of uh, clothing for the out-of-doors. Uh, Ibex is, now everyone's going to go to the website. But, but this is like this thin wool turtleneck, you know. And it's like, it breathes so well. And I just, I can so appreciate it. Now, that can easily migrate into attachment, like, I want another one. I mean, how many of these is enough? So it's just finding that place between non-appreciation, because in the end, nothing matters, you know, that we can have that sort of, uh, like, misuse of impermanence. Well, we just live and then we die. So what's the point of being happy? Or we can think that, you know, this is amazing. I'll get into that exuberance and like more and more. You know, why don't they make pants like this? Or maybe they do. <laughs> but it's like uh, we are alive. And... You know, part of being alive or this sort of fundamental truth of being alive is this movement. And so part of this movement is appreciating life, what life delivers. And, you know, even when we're seeing a lot of difficulty, a lot of suffering, 
there's still things to appreciate. Like when a really intense suffering lightens up a little bit, that can be appreciated. I have a good friend who finished her cancer treatments and, uh, you know, the type of cancer this person has is, uh, doesn't have a great prognosis. So, but we can still appreciate that the cancer treatments, you know, the radiation, the chemo, it's done, even though things aren't over necessarily. Things aren't necessarily easy, but that's done. And there's a release, a relief to that being done. And that can be appreciated. We may not want winter to come, but we can appreciate like aspects of the fall and the coolness. We can appreciate, you know, the plants going brown and so it's not even just we need that cute little niece or our cat has to do something special before we have a real moment of appreciative joy. It's it's really the art of seeing um it's like seeing life as a, an amazing, this moment, life in its ordinariness, as an amazing thing. It's just amazing. It's amazing because it can't be completely grasped or understood. It's amazing because it can't be controlled. It's amazing how it just keeps happening. You know, it's like people keep showing up. Like just being amazed you showed up at work is amazing. Or you're amazed that you wake up in the morning. Or that you turn the faucet on and water comes out. There's many things like that to be amazed. So the, the art of the practice is to uh, have enough faith or enough confidence that this is a worthy, this uh, capacity to appreciate is a worthy quality to develop. Because if we don't have that confidence, we're going to go into the formal practice in a grudging way. You know, I'm taking this class. And it compared to a lot of meditation techniques, it takes a lot of work, right? We've got to bring somebody to mind. We have to focus the attention on them being happy. We have to keep teasing out like, yeah, but the other day they weren't happy. You know, all these other parts of our memory that aren't useful for the practice. We have to just say, not now. Right now, I'm attending to these facts. I'm looking at this. I'm remembering this. I'm having a felt sense of this. And I'm noticing the effect on the heart. So we're remembering the person and we're remembering particular aspects of the person. Otherwise, maybe we should be doing compassion practice if we're just remembering what's difficult for the person. So we're remembering certain aspects and we're remembering the feel, the heart, the effect on the the heart when we bring these to mind because we might notice a kind of comparing or envy. And we have to practice not being confused by that. And it's like we're holding, it's like we're holding this ideal or this uh, concept you know, this piece of information. And so it's nice to have a word, appreciative joy. Like, I'm seeing, is there any appreciative joy in the mind space? So don't worry about envy coming up or comparing mind or being disappointed or life isn't fair. Let those thoughts be there 
just don't attend to them and keep looking for the part of the heart or mind that is moving, that is enlightened by remembering this person's happiness or their success or this simple thing of beauty. You keep looking for it. And then that's what the phrase is all about. You find a phrase or a set of phrases that is basically supporting that intention of the mind appreciating. Appreciating the particular image you're bringing to mind about this person or this group of people. So this particular phrase or set of phrases I heard first from Guy Armstrong. I think now it's they're used and they're very similar to the traditional phrases in, that are recorded in the in the Vasudhi Maga, this ancient meditation manual from about 500 years after the time of the Buddha. And uh, so may your happiness continue, may your success continue, may your ease continue, may your well-being continue. Some, some people I say, may your confidence in your heart, in your life continue. So you can really use a word of, that really gets, helps the uh, mind really focus in on that particular aspect of that person that's beautiful or that's successful or that is a cause for happiness. May it increase, may it never end. Now, we know generally that things don't always increase and often end. But see, the wish is different than our understanding of how life works, that things come and go. But we can have the wish that the kind of ease and happiness my niece is experiencing, hanging out with her aunties and uncles and the rest of the siblings stayed home. So she, this is a trip she's taking just with her mom. You know, so it's kind of a big deal. You know, this kind of joy is specific to these circumstances. But the wish that it continues, that it increases and that it never ends, that's an authentic wish. Even though I know it's very much going to end. You know, in just seven days it's going to end. But the wish that that happiness, that joy continues and increases and never ends... That's a very, for me, that can be a very real, authentic wish in my heart. And so, don't be fooled by how we understand life and what our wish is. We can wish for all kinds of things. We can wish that all the suffering in the world ceases. That's a beautiful wish. It's not likely to happen but it doesn't diminish from that wish being beautiful and having a beautiful effect on the mind and heart. So what I'm emphasizing here is just the importance of having some confidence when you take up the practice these next weeks. And I'll send out tomorrow, once I get the email list together, these instructions. Most of you have them, but I'll send out the instructions. And I'll also send out the um, uh, Mangala Sutta where the Buddha talks about all of these different blessings. Because the gratitude practice we did is basically the appreciative joy practice for ourselves. But we wouldn't call that appreciative joy. We'd probably call that gratitude. We're grateful for our successes. We're grateful for the beautiful things that have happened in our lives, the beautiful things that are happening in our lives. So you might want to start with a gratitude reflection. You could just pull out a few of the things from the discourse or come up with your own things that you're grateful for. His list is pretty complete. 
as far as I could tell. Um, and then do the mudita practice. And the general order is you begin with the person that who's easiest to to connect with about their happiness, to rejoice in, to delight in. And then generally you follow the the normal sequence with that you would use with loving kindness, which going to the easy person, or sometimes it's called the benefactor. So somebody who's generally an important person in your life who's really been a great cause of support and happiness. Then you appreciate them and their happiness. And then a loved one, a neutral person, and then even difficult people we can appreciate. And I've done this with certain political leaders over the past years that I've had a hard time with. And, but I knew it was wrong to just have a, only a negative view of this person. So I would do mudita. At first it was hard, and then it actually became really easy. Uh, so if a person won an election, but I, it wasn't the person I wanted, you know, I could, I could imagine them being relieved at having won. And just that sense of accomplishment and the joy that they probably, to some degree, were experiencing. And just appreciating that. Or if the person had children, I'd I'd think of that person uh, hanging out with their kids or having a nice interaction with his partner. And just appreciating like the wholesomeness of that family joy that they probably experience from time to time. So this is how you can work with your difficult people too appreciating their happiness. Maybe they happen to be really healthy right now, the difficult person in your life. And you can just appreciate how nice it must be to be healthy. And just appreciate that about them. Wish, may it continue, may it increase, may it never end. And then from the difficult person, if it's feeling good, if the practice has some momentum, then you can work with groups of people. Even groups of living beings. It doesn't have to be human beings. So just expanding out like we did with the four quarters chant, you know, where we're sending out appreciative joy in the first quarter means for me, all those beings to the south. Second quarter for me would be to the west, to the north, to the east, above, below, all around and including ourselves. So in the weeks ahead, next week, we'll talk about the supports for Mudita, and if we have time tonight, I'll go into it. Um, and then the last couple weeks, so the first four weeks of the course, we're going to work with appreciative joy, and then approximately the last four weeks, we'll work, work with equanimity. And so for the first four weeks, two weeks tonight and next week, uh, focusing in more about what are the supports for being able to appreciate, to connect with appreciative joy, with gladness. Um, and then the last two weeks of these, these first four weeks, we'll look at the obstacles, the many obstacles to appreciative joy. It's often considered the hardest of these beautiful emotions because we usually feel quite needy, like we're not getting enough. So I'm going to stop be, before I fill up all our time and just hear from folks. Even if you're brand new or if you've been practicing for a while, just what you've noticed tonight or at other times doing formal mudita, appreciative joy practice, or just out in the world, informal practice of appreciating things. What has really made it easy for you? 
what seems to get in the way, what ideas or views in your mind seems to pour the pour water on the fire of mudita or the kind of stop the movement of mudita. Or any questions that you have about the instructions that were given tonight. So what comes to mind? And if you do speak up, please say your name. Yeah. And nice and loud, Paul. Yeah. So uh, one thing that I like to do is um, I got this from Joseph Goldstein. He talks about um, the rarity of just being exposed to Dharma teachings and how how many people are are not exposed to wisdom teachings, and um, of those who are exposed to Dharma teachings, how few of them actually um, you know, try to cultivate them. And of those few that try to cultivate, how many of them, how few of them actually continue and do it for a long time? It's a very small group of beings out of the 6.5 billion humans. So it makes me think about like just being, a, just appreciating the visions that has steered me. You know, I kind of balance this practice accidentally, but I'm really fortunate that I have a sangha and this tradition and, um, and just you know, being appreciative that we're human and we have this sort of um, dharma path mm-hmm. yeah, that really makes me feel good yeah so, it's a rare thing yeah so for some people that will really work just sort of connecting and, and appreciating that in other people, like how fortunate it is for them and how, appreci- how much we can appreciate that this is alive in their life, that they're not just being swept along by the consumer culture, that, that it's all about having more money. And then, of course, when they die, they realize maybe not. <laughs> you know, maybe that wasn't enough. I mean, just think about how that is. And then even people who don't even have a choice. They're just at the level of trying to survive, you know, just getting by and how they just don't have any opportunity except to focus their mind on how to get the next meal or how to take care of the kids so they don't die. And uh, that also, we can either use that kind of reflection for compassion, but we can also then, in the same way, I mean, just by changing the focus, turn it into appreciation, like, how grateful we can be for those of us who have this opportunity. Yeah, thanks, Paul. Other thoughts come to mind? Yeah, Scott and then Spruce. Um, on the flip side of that, uh, the folks that aren't in this um, fortunate group that Paul alluded to, um, it just occurred to me uh, when I was listening uh, a little earlier that um, because in the course of sees uh, joy in almost everyone, you know, uh, that, that um, I think it's like everyone's a teacher in that regard because we reinforce, you know, uh, my capacity for appreciative joy every time I see you being joyful. Yeah. Bruce?
seems to have a lot of things going on where it's like, yeah, if I go back, if I go back. And, and so that wasn't feeling very good. I didn't quite know where, what to do with that in this context. So I moved the switch to my daughter uh, because I'm very happy about the success she's having right now. And she's easily doing what she's enjoying with her. And so I don't know if it would have been skillful to kind of hang out with the other thing that I, I this is something that's been bothering me for quite a while. And I yeah, it's a, probably a really good point, especially for those who are relatively new to the Brahma Baharas, the four divine abodes of loving kindness and compassion and appreciative joy and equanimity. Because there's a basic principle as a formal meditation practice and absorption practice, we're absorbing the mind in this direction of appreciation or of compassion. So it's to support that absorption, we start where it's easy and we only go beyond what's easy when there's a lot of momentum, like there's a lot of movement of that appreciation, of that joy. When we're really in the joy and just feeling enlivened by reflecting on the joy around us and the joy in others, then we bring up that friend where there's a tendency towards envy. Because then it's like, the momentum to be envious of that person, of course, naturally is going to arise and we shouldn't be disappointed or, you know, surprised. But now there's also a lot of momentum to, to be able to appreciate that she's happy. And that, that's great that she's happy. And yeah, I'm, and so we're not denying the fact, yeah, I would like more of this to happen in my life. But right now, I'm really tuning into the fact that she's happy. And that it makes me feel good that she's happy. And that's a, but you, because otherwise what we'd end up doing is either falling into envy or fighting envy. And fighting envy isn't necessarily good, you know, because it's, it's generally aversive. You know, wishing we weren't envious is its own kind of envy, you know. I mean, just the flip side of it. So, like Spruce mentioned, you know, feel free to always go to somebody who's easy and to switch the person or the people you're working with. Because the idea is to discover the joy of appreciation in a sense that's independent from the particular person. It's like we're tapping into this immeasurable capacity of joy, just the movement of joy. And the particular person, like, I was appreciating Stan's new glasses earlier in the evening when I saw him when he walked in. And, you know, but that kind of moment of delighting, you know, it's it's really bigger than the fact that Stan has new glasses that look nice on him. It's really about the mind just delighting in life itself and the mystery and the, you know, and this great happening. And so we want to, we, that's really what it's about. And when that's really strong, you can even drop the particulars. Like, don't keep not, like, bringing somebody to mind because you've, you're the perfect Boy Scout or Girl Scout and you're going to just do what you're told to do. Really let the awareness just go to the joy, the movement of joy itself, when it's very clear and strong. Let the words fall away for a while when they're not necessary in the images of people. And just the heart is just joyful. It's just appreciating the moment. And the moment includes everything. And just let that joy move. Like, be aware that it's a 
a continuous movement. I mean, I'm doing it as a loop, but it's, I'm not suggesting it is a loop. It's more like uh, uh, just the mind, the heart is knowing a free movement of life energy or free movement of joy, which is able to appreciate everything. And then when that, for whatever reason, starts to fall apart, then go back to the nuts and bolts of the practice. Bring somebody to mind whose happiness, success, or whatever is easy to connect with, easy to appreciate. Use those specific phrases. So don't be afraid to be like, I'm coming back to this phrase, that's what I'm doing. Because sometimes it is dry, and the best thing we can do is just do the push-ups. Remember the person, really connect with, oh yeah, she or he was happy. Their heart was at ease, released. I care about that, you know. May it continue, may it increase, may it never end. And just to sort of do that, because you'll find yourself cycling to times where it's really easy and times where it's really dry. And we don't want to just stop when it's dry or like I'm doing something wrong, because sometimes it isn't easy when the heart's needy, when the heart's tight. It doesn't want to do it. It's like a fist that's been closed a long time. It doesn't really want to open up. It's gotten used to its tightness. And it's the same with our kind of energetic heart. You know, it gets used to being separate and needy and fearful. Other thoughts? Yeah, Rebecca and then Tyler. Um, I had a time where... Um, Real loud, too, so they can hear you in the back. I had a time where it just happened spontaneously. Um, and it was amazing how it just expanded. It was um, when my son was uh, graduating from his therapy preschool that he had been at for two years. And... Um, while they're doing their little ceremony, I just dropped into this. It, it just broke away and fell away from all this hard work and all this worry that I had had for two years of him. Um, this letting go of needing to help him anymore and this trust in the <coughs> now and this happiness for, even though he didn't really know what was happening, that this meant he could go to mainstream school and before he couldn't. He didn't know this, but still this happiness for he gets to mm-hmm. have this normal life and this this um, dropping away of needing to do anything anymore gave me this release that, I mean, tears were just streaming down my face and I was laughing and I mean, it, everything it's like the whole world changed. It was like how I saw everything in that room changed. And it was weird. It was like, oh, it just expanded to where boundaries were gone. And it went from this joy for my son and his future possibility to the other four little kids in this therapy class and their future possibilities and this unbelievable joy for them. And then, then their parents. And then it moved on to the teachers and the school, because this was a pilot program. And I mean, I was just having all this amazing gratitude and joy for all of these lives in this room. And it was so amazing, because none of it was about, anymore about, oh, I'm done with this hard work. Mm-hmm. I have to, it was just, and it was this unity. There was no separateness. It was, it, I don't even know how to describe it, really. There's yeah. no words. What's a moment of freedom? And the Buddha calls mudita the mind's deliverance of gladness. So he talks about it as leading to freedom. You know, 
And when, when we release or open to that joy, negativity has to fall away. It doesn't fit in the same mind. So greed and aversion and delusion being disconnected, it falls out of the mind. And the mind is temporarily liberated from that. And it is, it's like a different reality because we're mostly under the foot of aversion and greed and being disconnected. Thanks, Rebecca. Tyler, and then I think Jana had a comment. Oh, Nicole. Maybe a little louder, Tyler. Yeah. Well, you know, generally with the practice, now we're, we've been talking about it formally to sort of um, unpack this capacity to the mind. But generally, we just let the mind notice what it wants to notice. So if it wants to notice the, the sadistic part, then we relate with compassion. And we let that be the heart's deliverance. Because compassion will also free the heart of greed, anger, and delusion. Really just noticing how the guy's trying to be happy, but in doing so, he's causing suffering for other be- another being. And let that really move the heart and let that movement. But if your mind fo- can focus on his happiness, then appreciate it. I mean, there's a lot of our simple happiness is part of the suffering of other beings. You know, like somebody gets a new car and you can appreciate that, but you could also reflect on what does that mean for the environment? The fact that there's one more car in circulation now. So, so much of what makes us happy has a downside to it. So, uh, just see if you, if you can, without tension, turn your, especially during this course, the mind towards the positive thing that you're recognizing or the happiness, then let it do that. But don't be, it's not like you have to be stupid about the consequences of this person's happiness but just appreciating that as deluded as it might be, this person is feeling a little relief from the weight of being a human being right now. And it's that release that we're appreciating. We're not appreciating his ignorance or his bad behavior. We're just appreciating the fact that right now his heart's a little lighter. 
Yeah, Jana, you had you get the closing word oh, words. I was just going to say how supportive it was to spend so much time on gratitude because once I did this inventory of how blessed I am, I felt so much. It was so much easier to just be appreciative of everyone else's joy because it was like, oh right, I have enough. I'm good, you know. So I can be really happy that my old boyfriend fell in love, you know. Mm-hmm. And I did. I felt really happy about that. Yeah. And you know all these other things, and so that was great. Yeah, that's and that's a great place to end uh, because as no really because as homework, that's a good place because next week, the second week, we'll be having small groups, and then one of the ways, one of the, there are many interesting things you might bring up in the small group. But what I'll just suggest is you look, um, you kind of do an inventory in your life, you know, kind of just aware through the next week where you feel that inner abundance. Now, you might be only when you do the formal gratitude practice that you feel it, but you might notice that there are many times, small ways, big ways during the day where you feel a kind of inner abundance, like you actually have joy to give away, to share with others. And then notice times when you don't. And start correlating like, what is the view in the mind when there is this inner abundance? And what is the view in the mind when we feel depleted and when we feel like we can't show up and we can't wish well? And that would be really useful to share. We could learn a lot from listening to each other just around that. But there's probably other things you might want to bring up in the small groups next week. So we'll just take a moment. And I thought, because it is a mudita practice, we'll just end these next several weeks with sharing of the merit. And so you can begin to practice this at home on your own. So when we share the merit, you don't need to do Anjali, but you can if you want this hand gesture. And what we're doing is we're just reflecting on how nice it is to come together as a group like this. Just the fact that a group of adults would want to come together on a Monday night and reflect on the mind, reflect on the heart in this way. It's really a rare and beautiful thing. And we can just reflect on other good things in our life, our efforts to live in a way that doesn't harm others, our efforts to be calm and fearless. And then we can happily share the blessings, the goodness in our lives, So we energetically feel that there is this momentum of goodness in our lives. It may not be as much as we want, but there is a momentum of goodness. And we're happy to share this with our parents, even if they're not perfect parents. May you receive the blessings of my life. And we're happy to share the blessings of our life with our good friends and partners and family members. May our goodness rain down over all of our friends, our loved ones, all of our neighbors and colleagues at work. May we happily share the blessings of our lives with all beings without exception. May this be so. Thanks everyone for coming. I think Dave has a few announcements for the group.